quite honestly, Dorothy, I'm having more fun today than I've had collectively in all the 12 businesses I've ever owned. And the reason is, is because I'm helping ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 60 of the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. And before I introduce today's guest, I want to make sure that you're a part of our Facebook community. That's where I'm sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. So head over to the group at dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you there. Today's guest is Aaron Walker. It would be safe to say that Aaron is a veteran entrepreneur. He began his first business at 18 years old and sold to a Fortune 500 company just nine years later. Now this really started Aaron on the adventure of a lifetime, building over a dozen businesses throughout the last four decades. I just love the way that Aaron describes his secret sauce as being a combo of grit, authenticity, determination, and perseverance. The glue that holds it all together is his transformational mastermind, Iron Sharpens Iron, which he began after decades of experience masterminding with people you may have heard of, such as Dave Ramsey, Dan Miller, and several other notable Nashvillians. In this episode, Aaron shares the story of a tragic accident that really shaped the course of his life. And we also talk about the lessons that he's learned during his time as an entrepreneur, the impact that masterminds have had on his life and the life of the people that he serves, and so much more. I was blown away by Aaron and really just amazed at not only the strength of his character, but his heart and the way that he really does everything that he does in order to help other people achieve success and fulfill their greatest visions. With that, I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with Aaron. Here it is. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Dorothy. I've been fired up about this, so I'm ready to go. This is going to be a fun afternoon and I'm excited to be your guest. So thank you for having me on Do Well and Do Good. Oh, awesome. Let's do it then. Aaron, I really want you to set the stage for us. Could you share just what life was like for you growing up and really what sort of mindset around money and success was instilled in you? Yeah. Okay. I'll take you way back now. I'm uh, getting a little older. You know, I'm uh, 58 years old now and I got to go way back, Dorothy, to when I was about eight, nine years old. I started working in a local grocery store that was close to my house. We were very poor as a family. My dad was a construction worker, owned a little small construction company and never made much money in his life. We lived in a 600 square foot house. There were four children and two adults and it was pretty rough just to be honest with you. My mom used to put canned goods in the pantry and nail a board over it during the summer so we'd have something to eat in the winter. And I'm not trying to make people feel bad for me. I just want you to know kind of where I came from. I'm a native Nashvillian. I've been here my entire life, Nashville, Tennessee, and I love it. People ask me, 
Avery, you could live anywhere you want. Where would you live? And I said, I'm living there. It's like Nashville. This there couldn't be a better place. I am so excited. I'm a massive country music fan, so I feel you there. <laughs> it is just such a great place to live. Nashville's not what it was 50 years ago. Matter of fact, I love it even more because of all the cool people that are moving here. And I love the progress. And it's just been an absolute joy to have lived here for this many years. But I got a job at 13 years old at a local pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was at the time. My dad had remodeled it and started working there for a dollar and 70 cents an hour. And by the time I was 15, a lot of people say, Are you kidding me? The time I was 15, I wanted to do that for a living. I had chose that as my profession. So I go to the guidance counselor and I said, I got to get out of here. And they said, well, this is not prison, first of all. Second of all, you can't just decide to leave school. And I said, well, I've got a friend of mine that did it and I want to do it. And so what do I got to do? So Dorothy, I went to summer school and night school for about 18 months. At the beginning of my junior year in high school, I had enough credits to graduate. So I worked every day for the next two years and met a couple of guys with a lot of money because I didn't have any, like zero. And we formed a partnership. We opened our own business. And man, God just opened the floodgates. He just blessed us beyond measure. It's incredible what we were able to do over the next nine years. Two weeks out of high school, I get married and Robin and I go on this journey together. And Robin was poorer than I was, if you can only imagine. So we didn't have anything. And I got her together one day and right before dinner, I said, Robin, listen, we just got married. I said, we may never get this chance again and we can't screw it up. I mean, like this may never happen again to us. So we're going to pour all the money that we make back into the business. We had a 10-year loan, $150,000. The guys that were my partners wanted me to sign a note, so I did. And we paid that off in 48 months. So we have a paid-for business. I'm in my early 20s, and I said, I think I can do it again. Well, I did, and then I did it again and again. And I kept doing this, and I'm like, dang. So this company from Fort Worth, Texas comes along. They make an offer to me I couldn't refuse. They were a Fortune 500 company. And I found myself 90 days later, Dorothy, waking up with nothing to do. And I said, this is the American dream. I go from poor and a convict to retired at 27. And I thought, this is going to be an amazing life. Well, 18 months later, Robin wakes me up in the middle of the day from a nap. Now, I'm getting in the bed. I'm not laying on the bed. I'm getting in the bed in the middle of the day. I'm bored out of my mind. She said, you've gained 50 pounds in 18 months. You're getting on my nerves so bad. You need to get out of the house, go back to work. I went back, bought the store I started with when I was 13 years old, and we grew it four times the size it was over the next nine years. Now, here's where my life transitions. So I'm headed to the office. I'm working three days a week. My partner's working the other three days. Life couldn't have been any better. I have two beautiful daughters beautiful home. We've got a vacation place in the mountains. Like I'm living the dream. It was amazing. Seriously, it was amazing. So I'm headed to office. It was a Wednesday morning, 730. And a guy named Enrique was crossing the street in front of me to catch a local bus. And Dorothy, he didn't look my way. And I ran over that morning and killed a pedestrian. Well, I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen in your life personally, but my life come to a screeching halt. It was like things slowed down. I can't even begin to describe to you what I felt. And I was thinking, God, seriously, this is not really happening. I mean, like 
my life is amazing. And all these things are going through my mind. And I'm like, beautiful kids, beautiful wife, great home, working three days a week, got money. Like, how, how could this happen? So I turn around, I look, and he's face down in the street. Cars are stopping everywhere. Very busy highway. About 70,000 cars a day go down this highway. And I go over, and I'm shaking. I can't even dial 911 on my cell phone. And finally get my composure. I dial 911. Police come from everywhere and all these paramedics. And they said, he's got severe head injury. I said, is he alive? And they said, yeah, he's alive right now. So they called me Saturday morning, 930. And they said, Mr. Walker, he didn't make it. My word. So I go back a couple of weeks later to the office and uh, stress was just mounting. I just couldn't deal with it. I'm seeing a counselor and friends of mine are working with me and helping me. And wasn't my fault. I didn't get charged for anything. It was his fault. He ran out in front of me. We found out later he just couldn't see. He was 77 years old. He was from the Philippines. And he lived here, and uh, he just didn't see me. So I told my partner, I said, I want to sell out. I'm going to retire. So the second time I retired, and I took five years off. We didn't do anything for five years. We traveled all over the world. We built another house, tried to change the setting and the scenery, and Robin wakes me up five years later and she goes, okay, you're getting fat again. It's time for you to go back to work. So we go into the construction industry, start a construction company and uh, build a very successful construction company over the next six or seven years. And uh, I turned 50 and I said, this time I'm retiring. Robin goes, my Lord, how many times are you going to retire? And I said, I'm done this time. So I go to my mastermind group after I retired and Dan Miller and Dave Ramsey and some other guys are sitting there and Dan Miller goes, what are you going to do now? And I said, nothing. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Caribbean. I'm going to sit on the front porch of one of those little tiki huts, and I'm going to rock myself into an oblivion. And he said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say in my entire life. Well, Dorothy, I wanted to poke him in the eye. I wanted to lean over the table and just poke him in the eye. And I said, what do you mean? He said, man, he said, you've got so much to add. He said, you've owned a dozen businesses. You and Robin have been married over 30 years. You can train and teach and coach other people. I said, I'm not coaching anybody. I'm like done. I've been working since I was eight. I'm 50. It's time to take a break. He said, you're too young. Dave Ramsey said, come do Entree Leadership Mastery Series. You'd be my guest. So I went. I said, that's pretty cool. $10,000 gift Dave handed out to me. So I go and do that. And then went and did Innovate at the Sanctuary with Dan. And uh, Dan texted me on the way home. And he said, hey, Big A, we all live here in Nashville. He said, hey, Big A, he said, did you see the way the people were leaning in at your table listening to your story? And I said, well, <laughs> maybe I can just tell a story. And he said, no, you've got something to say, and it's very important. I really want you to think about coaching. So I go home. I'm a Christ follower by faith. And so I go home, and I tell Robin, let's pray about this. So we did. God really convicted me of it, and I said, I I'm going to do this. So I started coaching a couple of guys, started doing podcast interviews, and my business just blew up. I mean, it just went crazy. I was having people all over the world contact me and say, hey, would you coach me? Well, we had so many people, I couldn't coach them. I mean, I just couldn't get to them physically. And I said, well, I can't scale this. So I started a mastermind group and filled it up pretty quick and started another one. Well, Dorothy, in two weeks, we, we launched our 14th mastermind group. We have men now from nine different countries that participate in our organization. And quite honestly, Dorothy, I'm having more fun today than I've had collectively in all the 12 businesses I've ever owned 
And the reason is, is because I'm helping ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. We want to help people accomplish their goals and their dreams. And because the business is not necessarily about me, but it's about others, it gives me a great sense of purpose. I know that's a long story. It's hard to tell 40 years in a two or three minute and forgive me for being long-winded, but that's an overview of our story. Not at all, Aaron. I mean, gosh, there's so many different things that you said there that, that I would love to unpack. The biggest thing I'm curious about is this experience that you had with Enrique. I mean, this is obviously massive trauma, right? And it would be so easy, I would imagine, to just sink into the depression, you know, the negative, the negative feelings. I mean, how did you pull yourself out of that and really turn it around and, and forgive yourself? I mean, I imagine even knowing that it's not your fault, there's still, I imagine, a lot of guilt that comes with it. I'll just say this. First of all, isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you really want your life to go to the next level, God created us to be in community. We weren't designed to be alone. And so I've had amazing friendships and relationships now for decades, literally four plus decades. I've had the most amazing relationships. And if I hadn't had the support and the input from my close friends and then later the mastermind group, if I hadn't had that level of support, I probably would have crawled under my desk in the fetal position and not come out. And quite honestly, that's exactly what I did for a little while. And Robin was a big encourager in that. Robin and I got married a couple of weeks out of high school. So we've been childhood sweethearts. You know, we're about to celebrate 40 years of marriage. And she was the big proponent in helping me get back out. My buddies would come and get me, take me to lunch. And I would go to counselors and coaches and we would talk through it. See, the thing that most people do, though, is they clam up. They don't say anything. They become a recluse. They don't deal with it. And you will deal with things eventually. And so don't procrastinate on that, right? If you kick the can down the road or you sweep the crumbs under the rug, you're going to deal with it at some point. And so for me, it was like, hey, let's just get it on now. Let's just deal with it. Let's peel off, you know, the Band-Aid and let's get down to what we have to deal with. And then Robin came along and she said, listen, you got kids. And someday you're going to have grandkids, which we do. We have five grandchildren now. And they said, they need you. Your daughters need you. And you've got to get over this. You've got to get through this. Here's the thing. You never get over it, but God gives you the grace to deal with it. And I want to encourage your listeners today that there's nothing that you've done that God can't give you the grace to deal with. And I promise you, without a question, you can forgive yourself. You can get that grace that surpasses all of our understanding, and you can live a very fulfilled and gratified life if you'll allow yourself to. And I just chose to be happy. See, here's the thing. Happiness is not a trait. It's a choice. And I chose to be happy. And so, therefore, I'm living my life now to its fullest. It's just remarkable. I mean, think, I think what you said about how you're going to deal with everything eventually, whether it's now or later, I mean, you can't, you can't really get over something. You have to go through it. You know, you have to feel those emotions you know, and really get to a place of, of understanding and giving meaning to, you know, the things that happen to us, you know, regardless of, of how traumatizing, you know, they, they may be, if we can learn and really figure out, you know, what am I supposed to, to take from this is so important. And so I, I commend you for, for talking about it so openly and, and for 
being able to share that because I think that it's something that everyone can can take something from. So going back to the successes that you've had in in growing all of these businesses, it really is remarkable. And I'm curious, you know, when you were 18 years old, you know, you had no money, you know, no connections presumably, you know, you were really starting from ground zero. How did you get those investors, those people who became your business partners to take you seriously? You know, what was it about you that made them be willing to go into business with you? Yeah, I'll tell you this little story. We'll have to back back up just for a second to backtrack. When uh, I was at home, my parents didn't have any money, but they were very honorable people. They had high character, had high integrity, they had great core values. Just because they didn't have any money doesn't mean that we were missing out. You know, some of the greatest things in life came as a result of that. And my mom taught me character and integrity and grit and determination and perseverance and gave me the wherewithal to stick with things. There was a saying that my mom had, and I hated it when I was a kid. She would not allow us to say the word can't. She would say, you might not be able to do this, but you're going to try. And she had a saying that said, can't, couldn't do it, but could, did it all. And we would always push through upper limit challenges by her urging to try it. Well, as a result of her pushing me, she wasn't aware that she was building my self-esteem, but that's exactly what was happening because when she would force me to try something and I was successful, it would build my self-esteem. So as a child and as a young teenager, I grew to believe there was nothing really I couldn't accomplish if I put my mind to it. Carol Dweck wrote a great book called Mindset. And she talks about having a growth mindset over a fixed mindset. Well, my mom instilled that in me. And so therefore, when the opportunity came and these gentlemen presented themselves, I had the courage and the stamina, if you will, to stay with the plan that I wanted. And that was to open my own business. And I went to them one day and I said, hey, why don't we take your money and my experience and open our own pawn shop? And they said, well, first of all, how much experience could you have at your age? And I said, well, I've been there since I was 13. And I gave them a business plan and told them what we would need in order to open the business. Well, here's what is so vital to this. They were checking on me at my school and they were checking on me at my church and in the community. And they were finding out that I went to summer school and night school. So I had that fortitude, that grit, and that perseverance to excel. And then I was a person of character because I personally believe the way you do anything is the way you do everything. They also believe that. And they said, if this guy's willing to go to night school and summer school, forego all sporting activities, whatever it is at school, in order to get ahead, that's the guy that I want to bet my money on. And so as a result of me working every single day, doing the right things, having good grades, uh, staying with the things that I said was important to me, they saw value in that. And so they said, you're the kind of guy we're looking for. So that's exactly what we did. And I want to encourage the listeners today, whoever you are, if you've not been that person, don't beat yourself up, but just start today. Just put a stake in the ground today and say, you know what? That resonates with me. And I'm going to be that person from now on. I'm going to do what I say. I'm going to say what I do. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be vulnerable. People are starving to death today, Dorothy, for authenticity and being genuine. And that's what we need today. There's no shortcuts. Everybody asks me, what's the silver lining? Where's the silver bullet? There's not one. It's doing the right thing with consistency every single day, standing up, being the man that you were called to be or the woman you were called to be 
in doing the right things. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Be honorable, have integrity, have quality about yourself and the things that you say matter. So be very selective on how you talk and who you're with, the people that you hang out with. Jim Rohn said, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. There's not a more profound statement ever been made than that because it's exactly accurate. If you will look at the people that you spend the most time with, your income is the average historically of those five. Well, if you want to run with the eagles, you can't waller around with the turkeys. So you've got to get people around you that have been there, done that, that want to excel. You've got to be around people. I only play golf for the most part with people better than me. Because if I can beat you, it doesn't really mean anything. I want to up my game. So instead of being a nine handicap golfer, which I am, I play with plus two, plus three handicap golfers. It makes me better, right? It levels me up. It brings me up. And so that's what we have to do in every arena of our life. We've got to surround ourselves with people that want to excel. That's the reason the mastermind is so important because we get together every single week with people that have the same core values. They have the same objective. They want to go forward. They want to excel in their lives. And that's why every week, Dorothy, for 20 years, I've been involved in a mastermind group. I couldn't agree more with with everything that you're saying, Aaron, really. I mean, I, I do think that your point about authenticity, you know, the the ability to be vulnerable, to be real is so valuable, especially today when in the age of social media, it is so easy to kind of put on the airs and not have that that type of transparency. And so I think that's a really important part. But you know, also the point about accountability and the way that you achieve that through masterminds is is critical. I mean, I, I'm actually getting on a plane first thing tomorrow morning to head to Puerto Rico for a mastermind event with John Lee Dumas, who runs the podcast Entrepreneurs on Fire. Tell him I said hello when you get there. He and I are good friends. So. Oh, I absolutely will. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it just, it's so true. If there's anything that you want to do, whether it be in business, in you know, uh, sports or relationships or podcasting or whatever it is. I mean, find someone who's done it and done it very, very well and learn from those people. And so, you know, that is really what mastermind events are about. You know, for anyone who is is not familiar with masterminds, you know, how would you define a mastermind at the most basic level? You know, Napoleon Hill probably had one of the best sayings about mastermind groups ever is the coordination of knowledge and effort between two or more people for the attainment of a definite purpose. That is exactly what it is. And it can be that for you. It can be that for me. We need people calling us out. We need people that will encourage us and edify us. We need people that will say, go faster or slow down and don't go at all. I don't know about you, Dorothy, but every time I get out of the shower, I got three more ideas. I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? And like, It sounds good in there, but when you get in front of your mastermind, then you present it and they go, man, you didn't even think about this. And I'm like, man, I didn't. You can't do that. Or you know, you know what I'm saying? It gives you the encouragement or they slow you down. And I'd rather look silly in front of my mastermind group than I had the whole world. And I'd rather look silly in front of these guys than to invest a fortune, not do any beta tests, not even have a clue if it would work. Sounds good in my head, but that doesn't mean necessarily that that's what the community is wanting. They have different filters. They have different life experiences. They have different perspectives to look at in every arena of life. I'd rather learn on your dime than mine, right? And so I'd rather guys to help me. 
and show me the reasons that things will or won't work then rather than me trying to figure it out on my own. Yeah. Mastermind groups, you create this community where people really know you and know your business and what's going on and, and they can call you on your bullshit. I mean, we were just talking uh, you know, a little bit before we hit record about one of my uh, big challenges in my business right now is, is scaling out a team and, and kind of giving up control. And, and that really started from an accountability group that I'm in, you know, one of the members said to me, like, you're a control freak. <laughs> you know, you need to loosen up a little bit if you're ever going to continue to scale. You know, sometimes we're just too close to our own businesses, you know, everything we have going on to really see those types of things. And so having a mastermind to support you and show you those things that you might not be recognizing are, are absolutely critical. I'll give you a little mastermind. Uh, we'll do a little masterminding here right quick. You need to read uh, Ego is the Enemy, Ryan Holiday. The reason that you feel that way, it's pride and ego. They can't do it as good as me. That is going to keep you from scaling. And so read Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy. I think it'll help you. Oh, I absolutely will. Thank you, Aaron. You know, I'm curious, you know, what advice would you give for, you know, someone who is interested in surrounding themselves with a group like this, you know, and and they're just overwhelmed by all of the options out there? You know, how do you find a mastermind group that you really resonate with and know that it's the right fit? Well, first and foremost, go slow. And I tell everybody they get in too big a hurry. You know, there's no barns burning down, so go slow. You want to be sure that their core values are aligning with yours. Because if you're in a group and the core values don't align, it's not going to be a successful group. I'm not saying this to be true for everyone. I'm just saying, generically speaking, if you're not paying for a group, you're not really going to honor the group. We honor what we pay for historically. That's not always the case, but I'm just saying historically. Normally, the higher price the group, the more association you're going to have with people that are involved in higher levels of relationships and a higher level of business. That's not always the case and it doesn't have to be that way. I'm just saying, historically speaking, a lot of times you're paying for access. The thing that is most important is, is that you're consistent. We meet every week on ours. We're a video conference. We use Zoom as the platform. And as I said earlier, we have nine different countries represented now and that's a real benefit than meeting in person. In person, I did that for 12 years. And it was great, but it takes an hour to get there, an hour and a half to meet, an hour to get back, probably going to go have coffee or breakfast afterwards. And so you're going to spend four to six hours where on a video conference call, you can go in the privacy of your home or your office, you can cut it on one hour, you cut it off, you get back to work. Plus, the other thing that I've found to be extremely valuable is that people tend to go deeper, faster, and be more authentic virtually than they do in person. Let me explain why. If you're meeting you know, in person, obviously, geographically, you're in the same region. So now we've got people that, for example, if you and I were in a group together, our spouses may work together, or we may have children at the same school, or we may go to the same church, or we may be involved in civic things in our own communities. And then I'm nervous about maybe if I'm talking about a problem with my spouse, I'm nervous that you, you may tell your husband and my wife gets back or you see there's a privacy issue that we're always concerned about. We don't totally let our guard down. There's always a level of arm's length. There's the facade stays up partially 
because you're always thinking they're going to tell my buddy or my girlfriend or we're going to see each other. There's an element of the privacy. So when you've got a guy in Texas and Tennessee and South Korea and Australia that's meeting together, those are mute points. We never, because we're probably never, ever going to have common folks around us that live in our area. So you can talk about very private issues very fast, whether it be things that you're involved in personally, there's financial embarrassment or there's relationship embarrassment or relational with your spouse. There's things that are very difficult oftentimes in in in-person meetup. So what we're finding is, is that people are a lot more transparent, authentic, faster in the video groups. Plus, you want to go slow. You want to go into these groups and you want to test them. You want to dole out a little bit and you want to see if it comes back to you. You want to see if there's condemnation. Are they condemning what you're saying? Are they edifying you? Are they supporting you? Are they following up with you? Are they reaching out offline? Are they trying to build rapport? Are they introducing other relationships to you? Are they giving you resources? Uh, Are they takers or are they givers? And so when you start answering all these questions, you go, hey, I'm kind of liking where I'm at. You know, I'm getting these relationships. I'm getting these resources. I'm getting accountability. They're challenging my thinking. They're giving me a platform that I can share and be transparent and vulnerable. And it's like, hey, this is a pretty good fit for me. So you stay with it. And then you just build. We've got guys that, and I keep saying guys, uh, we are for men. It's not for women. There's great women groups out there. And I can even refer some of them. To you, But the reason we do men is there's things specific in nature that men deal with that women don't. The same women deal with things that men don't. It's not in any way looking down on women, but I've been dealing with men my entire career. I've been involved in accountability groups and men's events at church. And so I've been involved in men. The other thing is I'll call you out in a minute. And my wife said, no women would ever be in your group because you'd make them cry in about 30 seconds because I'll call you out. I'll say, hey, Dorothy, you need to quit doing this. She goes, you're too mean. You need to talk more gentle. And I'm like, well, I got to get through these knucklehead guys I'm dealing with. And I'm just used to dealing with that. And so we have elected just for it to be men for those reasons. Well, I, I mean, I do think that regardless of, you know, again, your principles are the same though, right? Right, right, for sure. And I, I mean, I know sometimes I, I definitely do need people to, to be hard on me, even, even if it's tough to hear sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think that regardless of, of what stage of business you're in or, or what your goals are, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are further ahead in the process than you is critical. I mean, if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And I do agree with what you said about paying for masterminds as well, because it's, it's just by nature, you know, you are going to show up differently. And so, I really couldn't agree more. And Aaron, what I want to turn our attention to here is is the fact that obviously now you have you've built so many businesses and your focus today is all on helping other people to really do the same and and replicate that success. And you also I know give back in in other ways as well, you know, with with your time, with with money. And so, you know, I'm curious to hear how do you think that the success that you've had in your career has impacted your ability to give back and help others? Yeah, without a question, I think that needs to be the number one priority is how we can give back. And I can't say it's always been true for me in the early stages in my 20s and early 30s. I can't necessarily say I felt that way 100%. But here's what I'm finding out is since the accident in 2001, 
I've learned to look outward more than inward because I didn't want my legacy to be poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes a lot of money, retires at 27, nobody cares. And that's what it would have been. And I started thinking through that, Dorothy, and I said, what do I want it to be? And I really thought through it and I said, what I want it to be is Dorothy's life is different and better as a result of having known me. And that's what I wanted my legacy to be. I wanted to be able to look out for the interest of you so that possibly generations to come through my influence, I would have an impact. And you can't do that when you're taking. You can only do that when you're giving. And that's the reason that through the accident, it taught me that life is not just about success, but it's about significance as well. And for me, we can have both. It doesn't have to be either or. So through this now, and don't get me wrong, I hate it when people with money go, money's not important. I want to go, you liar. (laughs) It is important. Just take it away from you and see how important it is. It's very important, but don't make it your God. Don't make it your central focus. Because if anything other than the purpose of what you're doing is your focus, it's short-lived. Motivation is an exhaustible resource, and you can't stay amped up but so long. And if you have a great purpose, that'll get you out of bed in the mornings. I can't wait to get here and do what I do every day because it helps impact and change the lives of other people. Now, here's what the irony of this is. We now have been not only significant since 2001 in a huge way, but we've been twice as successful financially. And I think that's pretty cool that when you do it the right way, you're blessed in both arenas. And so I just want to encourage your listeners today, think, what impact am I making on the community? What impact am I making on my home? What impact in my colleagues and peers? How is their life different as a result of being around me? Do I bring the light? Do I bring an attitude of joy and happiness? Do I bring to them something that impacts their life in a positive way? So when you say giving, it's not necessarily just financial. We do give financial and we give substantially, but that's not the only way to give. So there's many ways to give. Oftentimes, it's more difficult to give your time than it is a check. And so I would just encourage you to do both. Aaron, I have just been absolutely blown away by everything that you've shared today. I mean, your your strength of character, the the generosity and, and the way that really caring deeply for others just emanates out of everything that you do is, is inspiring. So I want to thank you for, for being here. And unfortunately, we are running out of time. I feel like I could talk with you all day, but I'd like to move in now to what I call the impact round. So here's how it works. I'm going to ask you a series of short questions and I'd like for you to just reply with the first answer that pops into your head. You ready? This could be dangerous, Dorothy, but let's do it. It could. We'll try. All right. So, Aaron, who has been the most impactful person in your journey to do well and achieve financial success? Dave Ramsey. And for listeners who might not be aware of Dave, although I, I doubt there are many, could you give just a brief overview of, of what he's all about? Yeah, he's a guy here in Nashville. Uh, he started on one radio station when I started with him. He gave me advertising to try him. And I spent 21 consecutive years sponsoring his show. We became very, very close friends, and he has radically impacted my life. He talks today to 12 million listeners a week, and he's on 700 radio stations across the country. So he's made a huge impact on me personally. Aaron, who has been the most impactful person in feeding your drive to do good and really make an impact? Uh, My wife, Robin. 
When you're having a bad day, what do you do to get yourself out of the funk? Any sort of regular personal development practices? Yeah, we do. And it's always looking outward, not inward. And if I'm in a funk, uh, first thing I do is call others to encourage them. Because if you're encouraging someone else, you take your focus off yourself. That's my go-to. What book do you find yourself recommending to people most often? You know, there's a classic out there, How to Win Friends and Influence People should be a staple. It should be required reading. And it's a very simplistic book, uh, but it has profound impact. And so it's been around for decades, but I suggest you read it regularly and read it certainly if you never have, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That book impacted me profoundly and I I couldn't agree more. So lastly, Aaron, I know you've uh, had amazing gold nuggets throughout this conversation, but give me one more. What is the best piece of advice related to happiness that you would give our listeners? Yeah, maybe not necessarily just happiness, but the thing that holds most people back is fear. They're afraid of something. And I'm like, why are we so afraid? I mean, like, we need to go for it. Life is full of adventure. And I just simply tell people, fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. Develop a mindset of can't, couldn't do it, and could did it all, and you'll be tremendously successful. Aaron, you absolutely rocked the impact round. So thank you for that. Now, as you know, here on the show, we have what I call the Do Well and Do Good Challenge. So this is where I encourage our listeners who want to give back to contribute to the nonprofits that are nominated by our guests. Can you tell me what organization you're nominating and why it's so meaningful to you? Yeah, I would say St. Jude's. Uh, That's just an amazing facility. And we had some good friends that lost their 12-year-old daughter to cancer. She was at St. Jude's for an extended period of time, and they never paid a single penny the whole time that she was there. And so I would strongly urge you to consider St. Jude's. And, And the reason being is that a lot of money goes to the administrative side of organizations, but at certain levels, 100% of it goes to take care of the patient. And no one that's ever been to St. Jude's has ever paid a penny. So I highly recommend it. Well, we will link to St. Jude's in the show notes. Absolutely. And Aaron, before we say goodbye, where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about Iron Sharpens Iron, the mastermind, and of course, to follow your content? That'll be great. You can go to viewfromthetop.com and all of our social media platforms are there. You can contact me there. If you're really wanting your life to change radically, and I mean radically, consider joining Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind. I promise you that if you'll get in and you'll do the work, your life will be transformed in ways that you never thought possible. We'd love to have you. I echo that completely. There is nothing that has caused more radical shifts, radical jumps forward in my life than masterminds. And so the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind is one of those groups that can really change your life. So thank you, Aaron, for being here with me. I've had so much fun talking with you and I know that our listeners are going to love it as well. Thanks, Dorothy. Have a great day. We'll see you. All right, everyone, that's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to introduce any new listeners to how the Do Well and Do Good Challenge works. There are two ways that you can participate. The first is if you are looking to do more to give back, I encourage you to contribute to any of the nonprofits nominated by my guests. Send a screenshot of your receipt to challenge at dowellanddogood.co and your donation will be included in our monthly tally of the tangible impact this podcast is having. 
The second way you can participate is absolutely free, and that's by voting. See, in the first couple days of each month, we host a vote inside of our free Facebook community to determine which of the nonprofits nominated the month before that I will then donate a portion of my advertising agency's profits to. It's an awesome way to make your voice heard, and we've been able to raise money for some incredible organizations doing good in the world. So if you'd like to be a part of it, then head over to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, where you'll find a link to join the group. Once you're inside, I'm also sharing tips, ideas, resources, and more to help you both increase your income and your impact. We're having so much fun inside there. So head over again to dowellanddogood.co backslash Facebook, and I'll see you on the inside. It means the world to me to earn your time. So thank you so much for listening.